0: FIRE SEASON USED TO BE PART OF THE YEAR IN CALIFORNIA, NOW IT'S ALL THE TIME, LIKE ELECTIONS. OH YEAH,
1: yeah.
2: THERE'S THAT TOO, ISN'T THERE?
1: WELL, I DON'T KNOW WHY I CAME HERE TONIGHT THAT'S WHY I GOT THE FEELING THERE'S SOMETHING RIGHT IT'S
2: EITHER THE FIRES OR THE ELECTIONS so i
1: SCARED in case I FALL off MY CHAIR TAKE YOUR PICK AND I'M WONDERING HOW I'LL GET DOWN THE STAIRS to the left of me
2: jokers to the right here i am stuck in the middle with you here i am from pacifica radio in los angeles this is the broadcast As heard on kpfk 90.7 fm in la 98.7 in santa barbara 93.7 in san diego 99.5 fm in ridgecrest and china lake Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding, on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon, on the Central Coast, on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's. AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me... From bradblog.com, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, Hey there, Desi Doyen. Hey. Did you vote? I did. Did you vote on a hand-marked paper ballot?
3: Oh my, yes, I did.
2: Did you personally deliver that ballot to a Dropbox or a voting center? I did. Well done, Desi Doyen. I agree. You've been paying attention. Yes, I am. Uh, Last month, a number of polls here in California suggested that the Republican attempt to remove the state's popular Democratic governor, Gavin Newsom, through the recall process was at a dead heat. Democrats in the state began freaking out a little bit, as did Dems across the nation, given that one of California's U.S. senators, Dianne Feinstein, is... Currently 88 years old, and if she needs to be replaced at some point, a Republican governor in Newsom's place could, with a stroke of a pen, return the U.S. Senate majority back over to Mitch McConnell and the Republicans and along with it put a complete forever end to Joe Biden and the Democrats entire progressive Build Back Better agenda. There was and is cause for Democrats to be concerned about the recall election underway right now out here with vote by mail ballots sent to every registered voter in the state and the last day to vote, Election Day, as we used to call it, this coming Tuesday, September 14th. Uh, and uh, as I have been strongly advising voters here in the state, and as Desi Doyen was paying close attention, Fill out your vote-by-mail ballots by hand. Deliver that hand-marked paper ballot, if possible, in person to either a Dropbox or a voting location as soon as possible, since only ballots tabulated by Election Day in California are currently mandated to be included in any post-election audit of results, if there is such an audit. Uh, and the U.S. mail has become a bit unreliable, shall we say, in recent months, to say the least— So, yeah, a drop box or a voting location with a hand-marked paper ballot is your best option. As a number of large counties, such as my own here, Los Angeles County and neighboring San Diego and Riverside counties, among others, force voters to vote on 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems at the polling place on Election Day, Your vote by mail ballot may be your only way to cast a ballot that can be known to reflect voter intent in those counties. But the dead heat polling numbers a few weeks ago in California, according to new polling numbers out this week, may have scared some folks. As there is at least reportedly a change in more recent polling in the recall election with good news for Democrats and Governor Newsom. If you have faith in such pre election polling. According to 538.com's latest polling average, the vote to keep Gavin Newsom, which is accomplished somewhat confusingly by voting no on the recall ballot's first question should Newsom be recalled? The uh, polling average at 538 is now at about 10.5 points over remove among those considered to be likely voters. So Gavin Newsom is winning at least in the polling average at 538. Over at the Real Clear Politics polling average, they currently show an eight-and-a-half-point lead for no, do not remove Governor Newsom. Still, given the so-called red shift that we have seen across the country in recent elections from pre-election polling numbers to actual reported results, Democrats may not want to get too comfortable Add to that the alarming recent voting system software security breach that we've been reporting over the past month on this show, which the nation's top security, cybersecurity and voting system experts finally late last week tried to warn California's Secretary of State Shirley Weber about in an open letter calling on her to take immediate emergency measures in hopes of mitigating the newly increased security threat to the voting and tabulation systems used in nearly 60% of this state. There remains reason to be concerned uh, and vigilant, especially as folks on the right are already preparing to declare that the election was rigged if the popular Newsom manages to hold on to his job. And far-right Republican, very Trumpy radio talk show host Larry Elder is somehow blocked from becoming the governor of the nation's most populous and one of its most Democratic-leaning states, that in a state where Republicans have been unable to win a statewide election in years, at least a normal election as opposed to a special, possibly low-turnout recall election. Here was the guy who used to serve as president of the United States appearing on Newsmax TV this week on Tuesday, already spreading the false claim that if California keeps its popular Democratic governor, it could only be due to... To vote rigging, got the
1: recall election coming up in less than a week. Uh, it's actually happening as we speak. The polls appear to show Newsom looks safer at this point. Larry Elder is the man uh, that could take it from him. What do you think happens in California? Well, it's probably rigged. They're sending out all ballots. It's all uh, the, the the ballots are you know mail out, mail in ballots. In yeah. fact, I guess you even have a case where you can make your own ballot. When that happens. Uh, Nobody's going to win except uh, these Democrats. So, you know, look, they're they're very good. The one thing they're good at is rigging elections. So I predict it's a rigged election. Let's see how it turns out. Mm
2: -hmm. In other words, uh, if a Democrat wins, it's a rigged election. If a Republican wins, well, no problem. Where have we heard that pattern before? But state officials in California can do something proactively to at least help undercut some of the false claims of election rigging. And that's what we've been trying to underscore here for the past month after a far-right county clerk in Mesa County, Colorado, allegedly snuck into her secure Elections Division building in the middle of the night with two accomplices, turned off the security cameras, made illicit copies of hard drives containing Dominion Voting Systems Election Management System, or EMS, software, which was then eventually released onto the Internet last month for download by anyone during a stop the steal so-called cyber symposium held by Trump conspiracy theorist and pillow magnate Mike Lindell. As we noted with several uh, cybersecurity and voting system experts on the day of and those days following the leak of the EMS software, the breach poses a heightened security risk to elections around the country as similar and or identical versions of that software are currently used in some 30 states to run entire elections from the creation of ballots to the tabulation of both touchscreen votes and the tabulation of hand-marked paper ballots. And while the threat may persist for jurisdictions using Dominion software during November elections around the country this year and next, the threat to California's election is happening right now as those systems are being used in huge portions of the state during this critical gubernatorial recall. California is facing a grave security risk that can easily result in the loss of voter confidence if the danger is not mitigated with a rigorous post-election audit. Noted the Coalition for Good Governance executive director Marilyn Marks, a frequent guest on the broadcast, her organization currently has a long-running lawsuit to ban Dominion's touchscreen voting systems in Georgia. California has often led the way in election security initiatives and is well positioned to swiftly solve this critical problem. Marx said last week, calling on California's secretary of state to take, quote, immediate action by declaring a statewide post-election risk limiting audit to, quote, ensure that voter confidence is earned in a way that sets the standard for all other states as they conduct their November elections. Marx was commenting on the emergency letter that was sent by those eight top cybersecurity and voting systems experts to the California secretary of state late last week, describing a post-election risk limiting audit as the, quote, one critical action that the state could and must take right now to ensure results are accurate and that the public has confidence in them. The eight experts warned in their letter that due to the software security breach, quote, emergency action is warranted. As of August 2021, they write, citing the release of the stolen software, thousands of unknown people can study the code and find weaknesses to plan attacks on elections. The attacks can be deployed by non-technical accomplices, including voters, building maintenance personnel, and election workers. Unfortunately, even extensive pre-election testing of the voting equipment may not deter or detect such attacks, they warned. The new software breach, quote, just really multiplied the number of people who are in a position to harm our elections by a very large factor. That's from Alex Halderman, the director of the University of Michigan's Center for Computer Security. He is one of the nation's top experts in the country. He said that to AP last week after the release of this letter. Dr. Richard DeMillo. Another frequent guest on this program and founder of Georgia Tech's School of Cybersecurity and Privacy and a signatory of the expert's letter to the California Secretary of State said, quote, the impact on the California recall election should not be underestimated. And Duncan Buell, the NCR chair emeritus in computer science and engineering at the University of South uh, South Carolina, noted, quote, It is imperative that California immediately address the breach of the Dominion election management system to provide the mitigation that can only be achieved by the use of hand marked paper ballots counted by scanners with the outcomes tested in thorough post election audits. Dr. Buell, who serves as an expert witness in the Coalition for Good Governance's lawsuit in Georgia to force the state to get rid of its vulnerable and unverifiable touchscreen ballot marking device systems made by Dominion, which are also used in several counties here in California, by the way. He's also a fellow of the American Association of the Advancement of Science and an author of that letter sent last Thursday night to California Secretary of State Shirley Weber, he joins us today on the broadcast. Duncan Buell, great to have you here. Welcome sir to the show. Uh,
1: good to be here. Thank you for having me.
2: I know that we have uh, you and I have spoken off air at various times over uh, over the past years going way back to your days as an expert witness in the Still unexplained twenty ten case of Alvin Green in uh, in South Carolina. Some listeners may remember this. He was the democratic u s. Senate candidate that nobody had ever heard of who didn't have a campaign or a campaign website or even a job or a cell phone. But somehow he managed to win the Democratic nomination. For the U.S. Senate that year in South Carolina on 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems made by ES&S. And then, of course, he went on to lose predictably in a route to the Republican incumbent that year. Duncan, given your experiences with that crazy result in an election and given the known unknowns, if you will, surrounding this new software breach, should Democrats be breathing a sigh of relief today given the new polling numbers now appearing to show Governor Newsom running ahead in this uh, in this recall election
0: uh, i don't I don't necessarily think either side should be breathing a sigh of relief because uh, the problem really is that the election system uh, needs to be secure and the election has to, the ele- election process. Mm-hmm. Has to be done in a transparent way that voters can trust and understand. And I think with the release of the software, it's hard for anyone mm-hmm. to really feel that uh, what's going to happen is what ought to happen unless there is uh, a, a statistically sound risk limiting audit conducted after the fact just to make sure things got done right. Mm-hmm. This is a question of confidence, transparency. Uh, and the fact that uh, we don't get to do elections over. Mm. Uh, It's very hard to test what's going to happen on Election Day, and it's very easy for an adversary to know Uh, When to go after an election system because the time to go after an election system is on election day in Mm. the run-up, and especially Mm -hmm. after the polls close as tabulations are done.
2: And, you know, I realize that some folks don't understand the threat posed to elections by computer systems because it's all kind of wonky, and frankly, because election officials... Downplay, they sort of have an interest in downplaying this type of security concern, whether they should or not, in hopes, as they tell me, of you know, maintaining voter confidence in elections, deservedly or otherwise. How critical is the EMS, that's the election management system software, which has now been released into the wilds of the internet? How critical is that piece of software to the voting system itself, whether it's Dominions here or or any of the other companies?
0: Uh, it's absolutely central to everything. It's almost certain that that system is what uh, configures the the voting computers that that voters will see in the polling places. Uh, And I call them voting computers and not voting machines Mm -hmm. because I think machines are things people expect to work. Yes, yes. And with the term computer, I think you get a much much healthier skepticism Mm -hmm. about what's going to work or not. Yep. Uh, But the EMS is almost certainly going to be configuring ballot styles. It's going to be uh, putting in, you know, where even for hand-marked ballots, Mm -hmm. where the bubble is that will be filled in uh, in terms of position on the page. And it's going to be the system at the end of the day that does the tabulations. So anything that uh, is that central is really critical
2: I've sort of called the EMS sort of the keys to the kingdom, that it controls the entire election. If you get access to that, really, you can do anything. Is is that an overstatement, or is that how you see the EMS? I
0: don't think that's an overstatement at all. I think that's uh, that's really very much the case, because mm-hmm. uh, the individual voting computers that wind up at polling places are configured uh, specifically by some central uh of software, and the problem is, in part, that software is just really hard to get right, Hmm. Uh, which Mm -hmm. is why we reboot things, which is why we have internet failures, which is why we have breaches. Even people with lots of money and experience make mistakes. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's just hard to get right, and it's really hard to determine where things are wrong, when they go wrong.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I would go even further when it comes to election systems. I don't think people realize that you know, each version of software, people know how often their, you know, their Windows computer or their iPhone or whatever gets updated with new patches, new security patches. I don't know if they realize that when there is a problem found in a, a voting system software that has been certified, that has gone through a rigorous, hopefully rigorous testing regime, that it's not that easy. You can't just apply a patch when you find a security hole that the entire system has to sort of go back through that same security regime. Therefore, a lot of these systems uh, never get patched or you know, go for years with these uh, security holes that can be exploited, I guess, when someone releases the software so that uh, bad guys out there can study it and find those uh, security holes.
0: Yeah, the, uh, it's not like something that you have on your phone where you can be patched yeah. every couple of weeks. If there are going to be significant changes in the software, the vendor is going to have to pay to get that software recertified. And I think this is part of why uh, some of the, you know, not a security error, but I I have seen in the data I have analyzed two errors in the software that South Carolina was using, Mm I saw the errors in 2010, and I saw the same errors in 2018, eight years later, and what five by bi- five biennial elections later, mm-hmm. uh, things don't get fixed uh, because there are strong commercial disincentives to fixing them.
2: Mm. And, I, and that's one of, the, one of the many concerns I have going on right now in this election. It's true for every election, uh, but, but certainly for this, now that this uh, software has been released and there is what uh, Philip Stark told me, sort of a blueprint of exactly how you might break into this system or cause havoc in some fashion. Now, you and those other experts, including Philip Stark and Harry Hursty, Rich DeMillo, uh, Philip Stark, by the way, is the inventor of the risk-limiting audit protocol. Uh, you guys, in your letter, uh, you called on the California Secretary of State to mandate right now that all counties in California should uh, announce that they will perform a risk-limiting audit after the election. Why is that important to do as you see it right now rather than, you know, after the election, depending on how close the results are one way or another?
0: Uh, yes. The results are known first, and then somebody says, let's audit. Mm -hmm. There will always be some skepticism and some conspiracy theory that the reason for the audit is because the result came out different from somebody in power who wanted it uh, to to be a different result. You've got to mandate the audit before you have the result uh, so the voters know that this is being done specifically for the right reasons, Mm -hmm. because the voters will need to know that those who are running the election want to make sure they get the correct result, uh, and not just the result
2: that they might happen to want mm. personally. And I'm worried right now because we've got a Democratic Secretary of State. As I mentioned at the top, the you know the poll numbers are looking better for the Democratic governor, uh, and I think I feel in some sense they may just want to you know bury their head in the sand about these concerns. And I think they shouldn't, even if the Democrat ends up winning here, you're going to have a lot of folks who deserve to know that their election was recorded accurately. What have you, Duncan Buell, and the, uh, and the other experts uh, heard back from California Secretary of State Shirley Weber since sending your letter to her last week? Are you, are you folks in touch with her office? Do you have any confidence that either uh, she or her office truly understands the threat as you all have now uh, laid it out in your three-page warning letter last week?
0: Uh, I have no idea whether the Secretary understands the situation. I don't believe that we have received anything more than a pro forma response that says yeah yep. we we received the letter. Uh, unless something has come into my email in the last two hours. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen anything of substance uh,
2: which is somewhat troubling there there you know there had been some national media reporting on the software breach uh, over the past month, but until last week. I kind of sort of seemed to be the only public voice that was connecting the dots to the California recall and the threat that it posed here, at least until your letter. And then AP did an article reporting on your letter last week in AP's coverage, however, which I don't know if you saw a a spokesperson from the secretary of state's office seemed to downplay your concerns. I want to share her comments here, Duncan, and, and sort of get your response to them. This is from AP's coverage. Late last week, Jenna Dressner, a spokeswoman for Secretary of State Shirley Weber, said the 40 counties in California using Dominion employ a different version of the election management system than that which was stolen and released out of Colorado. Uh, She claimed that the state's version meets various state-specific requirements and she outlined numerous security measures in place to protect voting systems across the state, including regular testing for vulnerabilities, strict controls on on who has access, physical security rules and pre-election testing to ensure that no part of the system has been modified. In her statement to AP, she went on to say quote, California has the strictest and most comprehensive voting system testing use and requirements in the country and it was designed to withstand potential threats so uh nothing to worry about does uh, that response uh coming in 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 response to your emergency letter to her office give you any confidence about the uh secretary's understanding and, and handling of this matter duncan
0: uh, well, i think there there are two points to be made here one is They may be slightly different versions, but the system that South Carolina used from 2004 to uh, 2019 Mm -hmm. was more than half a million lines of of source code. Uh, It's virtually certain that the different versions of the Dominion software are not completely independently written. It's virtually certain Mm -hmm. because it's hard to write software that large parts of that code are identical Mm -hmm. across versions, and there may be slightly different versions because different states have different rules. Some states, for example, rotate uh, candidates. Some states list all the candidates alphabetically, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So it's almost certain that even though they might be slightly different versions, much of the source code is going to be the same across all those different versions. The other comment uh, is something I have said more than once. Uh, I have seen well-meaning election officials uh, with too little skepticism and too much hubris, Hmm. and uh, I think that's a problem. Uh, We don't know what the results are going to be, so we don't know ground truth for what's going to come out of this recall election in California. We can't do it over. We can't test at scale because the only way to run an election at scale is to run an election. Right. And this means that, yes, all of the processes have to be rock solid. But it also argues that there needs to be a way after the fact to make sure that the outcome that you think you got is the outcome you should have gotten. Mm -hmm. And that's what one of these RLA's risk limiting audits will do.
2: And that seems to be the only thing at this point that can be done. And again, even if nothing is, uh, you know, if the software is not uh, breached in some fashion or or, uh, attacked in some way, the only way to know that it wasn't attacked in some way, is to hold a risk-limiting audit. But uh, Duncan, uh, of course, uh, as you heard in that uh, clip that I played of, of Donald Trump a few minutes ago, uh, claiming that the election will be rigged if Democrats win, but it'll be just fine if Republicans win. He was referring to the use of vote-by-mail ballots, I guess, insinuating, you know, that fake ballots would be used or ballot box would be stuffed. Does a risk-limiting audit help to assuage those concerns in any way, or is that something that the nation is just going to have to start living with in this post-2020 world these days when, you know, Republican wins are fine, but Democratic wins must have been rigged?
0: Uh, unfortunately, I think we are going to have to start living with uh, an ongoing Set of conspiracy theories, it's not clear to me that uh, the claims made about vote by mail are anywhere near accurate. All of the jurisdictions I am aware of, including Richland County in South Carolina, mm-hmm. I was on my, my county's elections board for two years, mm-hmm. uh, have very careful processes for opening outer and then inner envelopes of vote by mail uh, ballots. Mm-hmm keeping track of them, making sure that uh, people do not vote twice, uh, making sure that the the ballots that come in are uh, the same ballots that got sent out. Uh, I don't know of any jurisdiction that doesn't take enormous care with that. Uh, My experience with election officials around the country is that almost all of them really work very hard. Uh, So, but I think we seem to be in an era now when uh, conspiracy theories are the norm and perhaps the only way to fix that is to conduct audits on a routine basis in a very very transparent way so that people can actually watch things get counted Mm -hmm. and watch your friendly neighborhood statistician Mm -hmm. tell you when you can quit And frankly california statistician who is <laughs> yes. literally world-class. Um, you got a benefit there.
2: Uh, and I should say, uh, the, the type of audit that you're calling for and the other ac- experts are calling for is uh, by way of contrast with the audit what i call the audit theater clown show uh we saw in maricopa county arizona actually we didn't see it it was all done in secret we couldn't oversee it uh that is decidedly not the type of audit you guys are calling for as you spell out in your letter uh duncan buell lastly i you know i've been reporting on this for years uh but as we haven't spoken on air i would love uh, your very quick take here uh, as I'm running short on time, uh, more and more counties here in California and elsewhere in the country seem to be moving to these touchscreen ballot marking device systems for all voters at the polling place. And I have argued that those systems are 100% unverifiable after an election. And we can't know if they actually reflect voter intent and that they should never be used by any voter unless, for example, the voter needs an assistive device uh, because they're disabled in some way, or if that is the only opportunity given to voters to be able to vote at all. Do do you, as someone with a lot of experience in South Carolina, where they force voters to use these systems, these touchscreen systems in every polling place, I think, uh, do you agree with my assessment about this type of system?
0: Yes, I do. Uh, I think so... Nearly all of the uh, touchscreen systems, the the prior versions had no paper record. The the new newer ballot marking devices, uh, almost all of them, uh, print some English text, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes only English text, uh, and then they print a barcode or a QR code that is used to actually tabulate the vote, and that means that that. If the barcode is being used to tabulate uh, votes, then the voter cannot verify that the text matches the barcode because mm. the voter doesn't know how to interpret that barcode mm-hmm. so those systems and that is the that's one of the problems with the system South Carolina just bought two years ago uh, it is absolutely not voter verifiable uh, so now, there are systems in which uh, the ballot marking device does essentially nothing more than fill in the bubbles for what would be the hand-marked paper.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, that at least is something that the voter can read and understand, because mm-hmm. the voter can see where the bubble is and see what the name is or, or the, uh, the referendum
1: mm-hmm.
0: next to the, the bubble. Those could be okay. They're still going to be problematic, uh, but they're problematic for other reasons, partly because they're very expensive, costs about twice as much as doing all hand-marked paper or almost all hand-marked paper. And you still run the risk of having things fail Mm -hmm. uh, and getting long lines. Uh, When I consulted for Maricopa County five years ago now, on how to eliminate long lines, they said that they do hand-marked paper, and if they get long lines and they need more space, they open up another 3x6 table with mm-hmm. enough space for privacy, yeah. and they have expanded their capability. Right. If you've got touchscreen devices at $3,500 a piece or so, yeah. and you get long lines, you've got to have somebody schlep in a new machine. Right. Uh, and because these are government things, you're never going to have a real oversupply of these voting computers.
2: Right. Um, yeah. And it allows uh, the folks who run the elections to uh, determine just how many machines get placed in various areas where they may or may not want to see long lines at the at the polls, as uh, as I'm sure you're familiar with, from South Carolina to the case in Georgia. Um uh, handmarked paper ballots Continues to be the, the In 15 years or so I'm going on 20 now Of covering this beat uh, The only thing that I find reliable In an election After talking to a lot of folks Like yourself, Duncan And by the way I don't know how uh, you have escaped uh, Being on the show Over the past 15 years But we're not going to let that happen again So you, this is your warning You will be back Whether you like it or not, Duncan Buell
0: to come back this is, this is, uh, you, you have an important show and uh, I do follow what gets said.
2: Thank you sir I greatly appreciate that. Duncan Buell is the NCR Chair Emeritus in Computer Science and Engineering at University of South Carolina he's a fellow of the American Association of the Advancement of Science and you can find and uh, complain directly to him on the Twitters at Duncan Buell. Hey thanks Dr. Duncan Buell greatly appreciate it my friend
0: have a good day. Thank
2: you. You, you too. Okay. Uh, speaking of the continuing fallout from the false claims of voter fraud in the 2020 election, some potential accountability for it. Oh, yes. Good. Yes. Including for the former president of the United States. Maybe. That's straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Our nightmare election may be over, but new ones are on the way. Here at the Bradcast and Bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely Independent. Please help us continue that fight over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com/donate. And thanks. I see what you did there. Sweet Georgia Brown. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Well, speaking of the desperate, failed, disgraced former president of the United States who's now pretending that the California recall election will be, in his words, rigged. If Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom survives it uh, now that polls show likely voters preparing to keep Newsom by nearly double digits, if you believe in pre-election polls. Well, now uh, Trump is using the old 2020 playbook about a rigged election. And just in case you thought this investigation had gone away because it hasn't been in the news a while in, in Donald Trump's own failed attempt to rig and, yes, steal the 2020 election as he tried to do in Georgia and elsewhere. Well, apparently that investigation into that attempt to rig that election has not gone away, at least in Georgia, though it is moving very slowly, at least according to the Daily Beast this week, a local criminal investigation into then-President Donald Trump's attempt to meddle with Georgia's 2020 election recount is inching forward as Fulton County investigators have interviewed elections officials and received documents from the Secretary of State's office. That, according to three people with direct knowledge of the probe. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensberger, told the uh, Daily Beast this week, quote, they've asked us for documents, they've talked to some of our folks, and we'll cooperate fully. So this thing is apparently still ongoing, even if it is ongoing at a snail's pace. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis, you'll recall, had put together a new anti-corruption team to explore which state laws, if any, were broken when Trump and his allies tried to overturn election results in the Peach State when, for example, he asked Raffensberger to, quote, find some... 11,000 votes in that infamous phone call to the Republican secretary of state that we all heard earlier this year uh, among prosecutors added to Willis's team, by the way, were, was uh, at least one RICO specialist to examine possible conspiracy charges in addition to the charge of trying to defraud an election in Georgia. But Willis's office, according to the Daily Beast, has been very quiet about the matter in the five months since that uh, phone call came out at the beginning of the year. (laughs) Wow. uh, Hard to
3: believe it's been not even that long.
2: Yeah, it's, well, actually, not since the beginning. The phone call was January 2nd. Right. And now we are in September, so nine months. Nine months since that phone call.
1: Yep.
2: Well, now I'm getting a little mad at Fonnie Willis. What's taking so long? (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> her investigators, according to The Daily Beast, have since interviewed at least four officials at the Secretary of State's office asking questions that show a particular interest in Raffensperger's separate phone conversations with Trump. and And we pointed this one out some time ago as well. And phone conversations with South Carolina U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham, yep. according to two of the sources here. Late last year, Raffensperger told The Washington Post that Graham had called him a week after the hotly contested November election, asking if the state officials could exercise, if the state official, if Raffensperger could exercise his power to toss out mailed in ballots in counties that had high rates of signatures that did not match those on file. Remember this? Graham, if you recall, had asked if it would be possible Just asking. He was just asking questions. He didn't want him to do it. He just, you know, asked the Secretary of State of Georgia whether he was legally allowed to toss out all of the vote-by-mail ballots in counties where Graham had claimed there were higher-than-expected problems with signatures on the mail-in ballots. Not that there were any such counties, but if there were, could the Secretary of State throw out all of the ballots because some of them had problems with the signatures.
3: And it's wild that they just happened to be in places that just voted for Biden. Yeah,
2: they were sort of the Democratic-leaning ones, but that was a coincidence. Uh, Graham, of course, has since denied that he tried to get Raffensperger to dump legal ballots. Oh, lordy, please let there be tapes of that phone call. We don't know. There could be. We know, of course, that there are tapes of Trump's conversations with Raffensburger since that call was recorded, apparently, by Raffensburger's office and then leaked to The Washington Post uh, on January 2nd. Uh, also participating in that conspiracy, as we heard on the call from the White House, was White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and Cleta Mitchell, a star in the right wing legal community. They were on the phone along with Trump and Raffensburger, in the call that has been recorded Was the one with Lindsey Graham recorded? Dunno. Earlier reports on this probe, by the way, also cited Rudy Giuliani as a participant in this potential conspiracy to falsify Georgia's election results, which even attempting as much is a state crime in Georgia. If you try to get an election official to commit fraud, even if you're not successful, that is a crime under state law. Again, where are the charges, Fonnie Willis? DA investigators asked general questions, uh, apparently, according to this report, quote, about the Graham call, about the Trump call, about how things work at the uh, Secretary of State's office. This is according to one person who was present during one of the interviews. Another person with knowledge of the probe said that they had indications that much of the investigation is now done. Quote, They've interviewed all the people that they wanted. Then they got the documents that they wanted, according to this person. Deputy District Attorney Jeff DeSantis would only say that the investigation, quote, is ongoing. So we know it's ongoing. Where it is going, I don't know. I guess the fact that it hasn't been closed, we should take some uh, comfort in that. According to two top Former Trump aides, they were there were explicit attempts among high-level officials on the Trump campaign to wall themselves off from much of what Rudy Giuliani and Trump and members of Team Rudy were doing during that tumultuous and even eventually violent presidential trans, uh, transition. Some in the administration and on the campaign were reportedly deeply embarrassed by all of that, or at least that's what they say now. Why they didn't speak up then, I couldn't tell you. Some say that they predicted there would be potential legal exposure for themselves if they got too close to what Giuliani and others were doing. Uh, One one of the president's ex aides told the uh, Daily Beast here, quote, I did everything short of sticking my fingers in my ears when someone would say, hey, you hear what Rudy's been doing today? Again, forgive me if I take that all with a grain of salt, these people who, you know, claiming, oh, we don't want to hear it. We don't want to, you know, we we had nothing to do with that now. What do you mean? We didn't know anything about it. That was Rudy. He was on his own. Really? If you thought that they were doing something unlawful, if you thought, thought that they were doing something that they would you know have legal exposure for, don't you think you should have spoken up then or maybe just resigned? At the very least. So, again, forgive me for being, am I overly uh, skeptical (laughs) here?
3: This is being they're being very self-serving to say so this long after the fact.
2: Observers have noted that this Fulton County investigation out of Atlanta is proceeding slowly. Uh, you think earlier this summer, Business Insider noted that uh, D.A. Fani Willis was struggling to dedicate adequate resources to investigate the former president because her office faces a growing crime wave and is apparently trudging through, quote, a historic backlog of 12,000 cases that she inherited from her predecessor. Then there's the matter of how much money this all costs. Willis is still in her first year as the uh, district attorney. She's operating with county funds that apparently are uh, very slim compared to the war chest that Trump has amassed from his loyalists. The latest numbers show that Trump's political groups have collected $100 million so far this year, according to the New York Times, which is apparently four times the entire Fulton County DA's latest annual proposed budget. Still, I think she ought to go get him in an effort that uh, may turn out to be more fruitful. Prosecutors appear to be building an easier case against Giuliani. Boy, would I. A, I'd love to see Giuliani, of course, brought up on uh, criminal charges. But B, I'd be really ticked off if Giuliani gets criminal charges. Donald Trump doesn't when he played such a close part in this. And Donald Trump, you know, is allowed once again to get away with everything as he does. Oh, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, as the Daily Beast has previously reported, prosecutors are eyeing false statement charges against Giuliani, who acted on Trump's behalf when he spoke before Georgia's State Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on December 3 and detailed his rigged election conspiracy. But again, he was speaking on Trump's behalf. And if I recall correctly, I think that was the one where they actually brought in Trump on a cell phone, remember that? When Rudy Giuliani was sitting there next to the other Jenna, whatever her name right. is, and, and uh, said, no, I have a special message from someone who wants to talk, and he held the cell phone up and it was Trump talking. It reminds me of when Trump's other attorney, the one who went to jail. Uh,
3: Michael Cohen. Thank
2: you, Michael Cohen. He went to jail because he did what he was told to do by Donald Trump. Directed in this, by him. Right. A conspiracy that he eventually pled guilty for and went to jail. And it was a conspiracy directed by Donald Trump. And he never went to jail for it. But Michael Cohen did. Let's hope that doesn't happen in Georgia. Anyway, Giuliani, as Daily Beast notes, lied that the state had counted 96,600, quote, phantom votes repeating the same phony claim that fueled Sidney Powell's so-called Kraken lawsuits, uh, which were promptly tossed out by several federal judges in several different states, including in Michigan, where the uh, judge in that case recently sanctioned Powell and the other Trump attorneys, ordering them to pay the legal costs for the uh, attorney's, uh, attorney's fees in Detroit and the state of Michigan and to undergo reviews by bar associations in their various home states, to consider disbarring them entirely uh, as per the judge's order there. Giuliani has already had his own law license suspended in New York and D.C. So the case is moving forward in Georgia. Once again, not nearly fast enough for my tastes, but it is, quote, ongoing. I'll take it. Uh, And then speaking of legal exposure... For several of the team Trumpers uh, who were playing along with those false claims about a stolen 2020 election and that the uh, Dominion Voting System company was somehow behind it. Well, one of those players who was being sued by the company for one point three billion dollars just said something really Really stupid that will almost certainly come back to haunt him in that lawsuit. What did the unbelievably stupid pillow guy Mike Lindell say now? That's next on the broadcast. In his own words, I'm Brad Friedman.
3: Hey, this is Desi. The Bradcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks.
1: Mr. Sandman. Mr.
2: Sandman, Bring me a treat. Oh yes, please do. And bring me like one of those fantastic pillows I've heard so much about. Yeah. Welcome back to the broadcast, <laughs> Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. And tell uh, me that my yeah. Nights are Yeah. Yeah, welcome back. Uh, so I I'm, I'm sure you know by now the MyPillow CEO and unapologetic Trump 2020 conspiracy theorist And a word that I feel I shouldn't use here on FCC radio, Mike Lindell, uh, is being sued for $1.3 billion by the Dominion Voting System Company, along with Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, Fox News, Newsmax, OAN, etc., for lying about their software somehow stealing the election for Joe Biden. And, you know, this company, we've talked about this before. I, you know, I take no joy in defending Dominion voting systems. And, you know, we talked at the top of the show about the vulnerabilities in their software. I've been talking about it for years with this company and all of the other voting machine companies. And yet they have never sued me for one point three billion dollars. Why? I'd like to. Well, A, I don't have one point three (laughs) billion. Neither does Rudy Giuliani or Sidney Powell, I suspect. Mike Lindell might. Fox News might. But, you know, they don't sue us because we tell the truth. There are concerns about uh, the the systems made by these companies. We tell the truth. We don't just make crap up like all of these uh, Trump 2020 clowns do. In any event, so they're in trouble. I think they're in very serious trouble in these lawsuits. But Lindell specifically really does not seem to understand how much trouble that he is likely in. As part of their complaint, uh, Dominion, their complaint against uh, Lindell, Dominion described Lindell as, quote, a talented salesman and former professional card counter, which I didn't realize by the way. I didn't know he was a professional card counter. You know what that means? No. Like they, well, you're not supposed to be you're not supposed to be counting cards when you're playing oh, at, the uh, at the casinos. Oh, yeah, when you're playing blackjack and they'll throw you out if they catch you doing that. But that's what Lindell apparently used to do, so he's kind of always been a hustler. Anyway, uh, according to uh, Zachary Patrizzo's story at Salon, uh, allegedly, uh, well, Dominion's lawsuit, their complaint, quote, uh, says that Lindell sells the lie to this day about the stolen election because the lie sells pillows. My pillows, defamatory marketing campaign, the complaint reads, with promo codes like Fight for Trump, 45, proof, and QAnon has increased my pillow sales by 30 to 40%, they claim in their complaint. And they say that Lindell continues duping people into redirecting their election lie outrage into pillow purchases. Well, better that they punch pillows, I suppose, than. Anyway, uh, responding to those accusations in an April 19 memorandum accompanying a motion to dismiss the suit, Lindell's legal team, however, argues the opposite, contending that Dominion is wrong to claim that Lindell's company is thriving. Quote. The plaintiffs finally claim that Mr. Lindell's statements about Dominion were nothing more than an attempt to sell pillows. Exhibit 230 demonstrates that Mr. Lindell's principal stand resulted in a loss of business. This, according to Lindell's lawyers, quote, Numerous retailers, including Bed Bath & Beyond, Kohl's, Today's Shopping Choice, and Wayfair, dropped my pillow products after Mr. Lindell's public statements. Oh, well, that's sad. But, as Patrizio notes at Salon, while it is true that several big box and online retailers dropped Lindell's signature pillow from their stores, Lindell now claims that his business is has generated enough increased revenue since he started lying about the elections enough increased revenue that he's been able to hire many more employees as he was dumb enough to admit on his own streaming website lindell tv just last week we hired 200 more
0: employees because 200 200 more employees and uh um, just shy of two hundred, I guess. Um, I don't want wow. to be called out by the Facebook fact checker. No, we had to hire more because we're busy. People have responded, Brandon. They've responded out there. We are in a we are a USA company with twenties. Now we have what 26, 2,700 employees. They're hardworking people.
3: Um, oops. Yeah, courts don't like it when you lie to them.
2: Uh, no, apparently. Now, experienced trial attorney Max Kennerly is uh, quoted by Salon uh, saying that Lindell's admission that he has profited off the lies that he's been spreading might not be the soundest legal approach. (laughs) By and large, Kennerly concluded... Well, he said it's quite rare for civil defendants in any case to admit a connection between the alleged wrongdoing and their income. It's particularly unusual for defamation defendants to draw a connection between their allegedly defamatory statements and their own wallet. Typically, he said, the plaintiff has to fight just to show that could uh, could have been part of the motivation. The plaintiff has to fight to show that. Not here. Kennerly concluded, by and large, defamation cases are an uphill battle, but it seems like Lindell is committed to making it a downhill slope for Dominion. Sad. Former journalist and recent Duke Law School graduate Robert Denault uh, further discussed the contradictory statements made by Lindell and his team. He said anytime a client publicly contradicts an assertion an attorney made in their defense, it is not a great situation. Here, it seems really problematic because Lindell's attorneys directly asserted that he had taken a loss on his business in response to Dominion's claim. Lindell was defaming them to profit with My Pillow sales, but now Lindell appears to be out here suggesting his company is actually profiting and even growing based on media exposure he has gotten from the situation. They uh, note that the only saving grace that he has, uh, that he might have, uh, is that his attorneys could claim that he was embellishing or lying when he claimed that there were, you know, they just hired 200 people because their business is going so
3: well. But I imagine they're going to have to now prove that.
2: Well, the problem is that to make that argument, uh, as as Denault notes... Uh, you know, it, this involves admitting that their client is a liar.
3: Yep. And
2: uh, they say it, he says it strongly resembles the allegations that Dominion is making against him in the first place. Essentially, that Lindell lies freely on TV and elsewhere. And in alt notes, it's not an enviable situation to be in. <laughs> no, it ain't. Uh, anyway, it's enviable for us because we get to pop more popcorn and watch it all fall apart. Uh, anyway, got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest today, Duncan Buell of the University of South Carolina, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night or both with us. It's greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's show, you can download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. We are on your public airwaves solely thanks to those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us keep going. You can drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the TheBradBlog. I'll see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck world
1: Mr. Sandman